Welcome, everybody. We're so glad you're here. I do see some new faces. So welcome, whether you're here, you're outside, or whether you're watching from home. My name's Dave Fukuyama, and I'm the senior pastor here. And you're always welcome. And I hope that you could find this a place where you could feel comfortable and maybe make this your home. Um, but before we, um, I start, I'd like to make an introduction. You know, and a lot of times, you know, when we go through transitions, transitions of staff is always hard for me. Because part of it's like, okay, God, what's going to happen? You know, I can't do this stuff. I'm a horrible administrator. And, you know, we, uh, as most of you know, we transition out with Sharon, who's sitting there right now. Thank you so much, Sharon. She did just an awesome job. And, you know, she has been called. Yeah, let's give her a hand. Um, and, but, you know, her former boss called her up and really um, provided her a great opportunity which, you know, we believe that was, you know, from God. And so it's like, okay, God, what's going to happen to us now? And so, but part of it is, you know, you, you just trust God for that. And, and God, as soon as I announced it, God provided somebody who said that she would love to just volunteer, you know, to help the church. And so I'd like to introduce her. So you could just put a face to the administrator. So Mayshu, could you uh, please come forward? Oh, okay, she doesn't want to come forward. Okay, everybody, look, she's standing right there. Okay, thank you, May. But once again, I, you know, I, she's been here for, you know, less than a year, but, you know, she really loved the church, and she just said, you know, I want to help the church. And so we love her servant's heart. And uh, I'm not sure how you, you, you came here, but something tells me it was related to pickleball, right? <laughs> because we have, you know, a lot of pickleballers, and then they met May and you know my wife Grace was saying, oh, just how wonderful of a person she was and all of that. And so, so we're so glad you're here. We're so glad that you're helping us out of the you know generosity of your heart. So thank you so much. And so everybody um, just wanted to let you know and to put a face on our um, new uh, voluntary administrator. Be nice to her. Okay, be nice to her. <laughs> you know because we we needed a good administrator. And so. You know, for those of you who are new, we're, we're transitioning. You know, we, we talked about the book of Galatians. And, you know, thank you for telling me the stories of how this series affected you. You know, this, you know, this morning, just one person came up to me and, oh, my gosh, my eyes were opened. And this was a senior. And it, it just kind of shocked me because she was saying, you know, all my life, I just lived with rules. You know, you can't wear lipstick. You can't wear makeup. You can't do this. You can't do this. And then all of a sudden, you came along and and said, our faith is not about following rules. It's not about sin management. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that completely opened this person's eyes. And, you know, praise God, you know, for that. And so um, what we're transitioning now is um, the series is called Five Things That God Uses to Grow Your Faith. And I want to thank Chet Yoshizaki there because he was one who suggested this. I know he hates when I do this. Um, but... Um, you know, we, you know, Chet and I meet from time to time, and we were talking about this. And it's important that we grow our faith, because how many of you, when you were younger, had that wall that measured your height? You know, at my old house when I was growing up, we had that. It was a wall where every year you would see how much you would grow. And if you go to our house right now, you would see... You know, Michael, boom, 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 boom. And we do that. Why? Because, you know, we all want to see, you know, our growth, you know, and to measure our growth. But 
When all is said and done, you know, spiritual growth is the most important aspect of your life and of the life of your children. Once again, spiritual growth is the most important aspect of your life and the life of your children. Now, I spent a good portion of my life just seeing what the world has to offer, right? And, you know, I've shared from the pulpit that a lot of times it just led to nothing but pain and suffering and sorrow, guilt and regret. But now, as I'm coming towards the end of my career, I could honestly tell you that you're the most important aspect of your life is spiritual growth, your spiritual growth, your spiritual development, your relationship with Jesus Christ. And yes, God used those things to teach me, but I look back and say, oh my goodness, how much time I wasted you know, following the world when I could have been you know, following Jesus. And as a parent, I mean, I keep saying this, and I can't plead with you any more than I can is... Your job is to make sure spiritual growth is the most important aspect for your children. We're going to need them. This world is getting darker and darker, and we are going to need lights in this world. So it's, it's important. And so spiritual growth, it's not easy. It's hard. You know, it's not fun. It's not exciting. It's hard, right? But... But it is so satisfying. It's the best way to live live your life. It's the best way to live your life. Especially when we're talking about today's environment where it's so confusing. There's so much violence. And even when, you know, Pastor Net was praying for Israel. If you take a look at all prophecy, and she mentioned end-time prophecy, the book of Revelation, or what we see about prophecy that hasn't happened yet. What? It's all centered around Israel. It's all centered around Israel. Because so many Americans, we go, hey, what do we see United States in you know, biblical prophecy? Go, well, you don't. You know, it's not about us. But we see what's going on in Israel. And it's almost what? About 50 years ago when we had the Yom Kippur War where Egypt and Syria launched an attack against, you know, Israel. And I was about 12 years old back then. And, and everybody was saying, oh, this is it. This is the sign that Jesus is coming uh, back, right? Um, but obviously, you know, he didn't. But as I see this, as I see what's going on in the world, this feels a lot different than what happened 50 years ago. The world is a lot different than it was 50 years ago. The violence and everything. I've never seen a country so divided as we are right now. And maybe it's just because we're exposed to more things because it's the Internet. I don't know. But I would not be surprised if Christ comes back soon. So, and so the question is, are you ready? If Jesus comes back, if the rapture happened right now, and we are ushered into heaven and stand before Jesus, are you ready? Are you ready to face him? Or would you go, oh my gosh, I wish I would have had more time. I wish I had more time to get myself ready to see Jesus. And this is why spiritual um, growth, growing our faith, is so important, Right?
And so we're going to start this series, and actually it's from North Porter, Andy Stanley, and it's called Five Things That God Uses to Grow Your Faith. And in that, what they do is, you know, Andy Stanley and his staff observed and he interviewed countless amount of believers, and they found that there were five things, that these people had five things in common that grew their faith, okay? And the first one, if you see up there, was practical teaching, right? When our acts of faith intersect with God's faithfulness, our faith grows. Meaning, and what we're going to talk about is not good enough to hear the Word of God. We could all do that. We could all know Scripture. We might have it memorized. But you have to put it into practice. You can't be just hearers of the Word. You have to be doers of the Word. So the, one of the things that they noticed of people who were growing in their faith, they said they actively, they read the Scriptures, but they applied it. They applied it. They acted. They were intentional about saying, okay, this is what the Bible says. Therefore, I will do it. Okay, the next one um, is providential relationships. You know, my guess is if you're like most people, if even it doesn't matter how young you are, you could all probably say, you know what? This person made an impact of my life. This person, this teacher made an impact in my life. This coach made an impact in my life. You know, a family member made an impact of my life. What same, you know, it's the same true in our spiritual life. I think for some of us, we could point back and say, you know, this person, you know, played a pivotal role in my faith development, right? And so you could probably point back to those individuals. But my challenge when we get there is, can you be that individual to somebody else? Can somebody point to you and say, oh, yeah, you know, this one person... um, God just placed in my life at the right time, you know, to help me through this. You know, private disciplines, right? And this is going to be, we're going to introduce you to the spiritual disciplines of prayer, scripture reading, service, and all of those. Because those are the things that we need to be doing to grow in our faith. And that's what they saw, that those who grew in their faith, they had a strong prayer life. And their prayer life wasn't just one way. It was two-way, where they prayed to God, let their requests be known to God. But they were also listening to God. They also read their scriptures. They read it devotionally. They said, God, okay, this is a supernatural book. This is your words. What do you want to tell me? It wasn't just for up here. And so those are the things that they saw that helped these people grow, grow in their faith. The next is personal ministry. Now, how many of you have ever volunteered for a ministry where you felt that this is way over my head? Or you felt God calling you to do something and you say, no way, I can't do this. Right? And that's what we're going to talk about. Because those who grew in their faith, you know, had the courage to get involved in, in ministry. And even though they felt that, you know what, this is, might be difficult. That, okay, if God wants me to do this, I'm going to do this. And finally, pivotal circumstances. You know, life is full of surprises, ups and downs. And I guess that some of you have experienced this this week, right? Where you thought life was going to go this way, but no, it went, it took a right turn, right? And, but you know, each one of these unexpected opportunities, I mean, unexpected turns comes with opportunities. And I could just see that in my life. I said, God, what are you doing? This makes no sense. But now as I look back on it, it's like, God, you are perfect. Everything that you allowed me to go through was perfect. And I'll admit, I 
didn't feel that at the time. There are many times that I was pretty upset with God for letting me go through this. But as I look back, I could see, oh my, you know, you just worship God and say, that was so perfect. That was so perfect. And so you're going to go through these. And so before we start on today's passage, you know, this we're going to look at Matthew. And Jesus had just finished his sermon on the, the Sermon of the Mount. But I want you, as I go through these things, as I go through these descriptors, I want you to ask yourself, at this moment in time, which one describes you most? Okay, because we're going to have two different opposing views here, you know. And so as I go through this, I want you to ask yourself this question. At this moment in time, which one describes you the most? Because I think it's good to assess us. You know, it's not, I'm not doing this to make us feel guilty or to pat ourselves on the back, but I think it's a good assessment. And so, if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Matthew 7, chapter 13, and we're going to read out of the New Living Translation, okay? And so, you know, Jesus had just finished the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few find it. So once again, Jesus talks about what? There are two gates. There's the narrow gate, and then there's the wide gate. And he said the majority of people will take the easy road, which passes through the wide gate, that leads to hell or destruction. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. He said the majority of people will take, follow the road of this world, follow the philosophies of this world, follow the pleasures of this world, and they will pass through the wide gate that leads to destruction. Now here, you know, obviously he's talking about, you know, salvation. However, as believers, we make a choice every single day. Do I want to walk through the narrow gate or do I want to walk through the wide gate? Because the narrow gate, it's, it's only like you could pass through. You can't take your things with you. You know, if you're all into material things, you go, oh, I want this. Or, oh, if only I had that, I would, oh, I, my life would be so much better. Oh, if only I were in a relationship with so-and-so, my life would be better. If I only had this career, oh, if only I had this or that or that, my life would be better. And we, we have all of these things we're trying to cart with us that we think are, is going to make our life better, right? And so we hit this gate, and it's like, okay. It's not, okay, well, maybe I don't need this. You put it down. So it's like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The only thing that worked is just you. When you yield yourself to God and say, okay, God, I trust you. Okay, I, I thought I needed these things. And I, to be honest with you, God, I, I still think I need these things. And God, if you could give me these things, oh, my life would be so much better. But I trust you. I'm just going to let them go. Then you could pass through that narrow gate. It's completely trusting in God for your life, for, your, for providing for you and all of that. You can't go through it carrying all of these things. And he goes, beware. Oh, it says, disciples of Jesus are few and will take the difficult road through the narrow gate, which leads to heaven. 
once again, every day you are going to be um, confronted. Do I take the wide gate, which is easy? Do I take the narrow gate, which is hard? You know, when I was, you know, I wasn't always in a pastor. I was in the workforce just like you. And there were times when I was at work where I knew my managers were asking me to do things that were unethical in order to make our department look better, whether it was lie on reports, fudge reports, or do something, our statistics, to make our department look better. I was asked to do that, right? And then you're, you're, you're confronted with narrow gate or wide gate. The wide gate is, oh, I, I, I need my job. You know, <laughs> how am I going to you know, live without my job? So I'm going to go through the narrow gate. Oh, come on, it's just a report. You know, so I fudge the numbers a bit. Who's it going to hurt? Well, at least I get my job. I keep my job. Or do I go through the narrow gate and say, you know what? This is not something that God wants me to do. This is lying. And I, I, I could tell you, I took that narrow gate. And it is scary when you tell your manager whose job is on the line that you will not fudge reports to make him look better and the department look better. And I've done that. And I walked up to my boss and I said, sorry, that's, I'm not going to do that because it's lying. You know, and I could just see my, oh, that anger on my um, manager. But you know what I told them? I said, you know what? If I'm not going to lie for you, you could rest assured that I'm not going to lie to you. Right? I did that, and obviously I kept my job, you know? But those are the things, right? You are confronted with every single day, narrow gate, wide gate. So where are you on the timeline? Where are you in walking through the narrow gate or the wide gate right now? Just think about that. And then he said, beware of the false prophets who come disguised as on the sheep, but who are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So that every tree that produces, that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Next point. Those who are disciples of Jesus Christ and those who are not disciples of Christ are identified by their fruit. So what do we have here? Good tree? Bad tree. Good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. Right? Once again, we're talking about you know, salvation here, but I think this applies to us right now. If, you took, if you're taking a look at your life, what kind of fruit are you producing? The fruit of the Spirit? You know, are you growing spiritually? Are you making a difference in your efforts to serve God and follow God? Are you seeing fruit in that? No, I'm not saying we all have to be successful because if this was Jeremiah, then he would probably be all kind, he would be kind of freaking out with this, you know, because he had a hard time. And he had a, I mean, he lived his whole ministry was all about, you know, hardship and so forth, trying to convince a stubborn Israel, right, that they were going down the wrong path. 
However, what kind of fruit are you bearing right now, right? And how will you know? You'll know by your actions. You know by your actions. And even then we could fake it, right? But you know what, God? You know, God sees the heart. So that's what's important. Then he goes on to say, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who will actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And this is like, ouch, man. When I was growing up, this is one of the scariest verses to me in the Bible, right? And it says, basically, true disciples are focused on doing the will of God, right? And we're talking about, uh, and then he goes on to say in verse 22, he says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And we performed many miracles, right? He says, so this is, you know, when people are going to stand before Jesus and be judged. And he said, Lord, Lord, these people have a respect for Jesus because it's like saying, my king, my king. And he said, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And we performed many miracles in your name. These people did amazing things. So the question is, how were they able to do these amazing things, right? And I believe that they were able to, that God was, you know, allowed them, even though they weren't believers, to do certain things through God's power. Because he's talking about on that judgment day. Because we see several judgments in the Bible. And the first one, and I've talked to this about, to you before, is the judgment, a believer's judgment. Or that's the reward ceremony. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 5. And then we see the unbeliever's judgment, the great white throne. We talked about that. And we'll probably talk about that more. But that's seen in Revelation 20. But on this judgment... It seems like you have both. You have believers and, you know, unbelievers. So I think this is, kind of, this is the um, uh, judgment that's going to happen after the second coming of Christ. It's kind of like the sheep and the goat judgment, right? Where you have both believers and unbelievers there. We're not going to be there because I believe we're going to be at the believer's judgment, right? But it's really interesting because when you take a look at this a judgment of believers and non-believers. I believe at when Jesus Christ comes again, there is confusion, especially upon the people who thought they were going to heaven. If you look at the sheep and the goat um, judgment that we see in Matthew, um, excuse me, that we see in Ma- Matthew, right, 25, the people that aren't getting into heaven are confused because they thought they were getting into heaven. But also we see the same thing here. Right? Where these people were doing amazing things. Lord, didn't I preach in your name? Lord, didn't well, I was on the board and I led you a church in your name? I taught Sunday school in your name. I gave, you know? And then what does Jesus reply? He goes, But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's law. What Jesus is saying, I have never known you as my disciple, and you have never known me as your Lord and Savior. We have no intimate relationship with each other. You choose your kingdom, and it was not my kingdom. So once again, it is important 
that true disciples of Jesus are focused on doing the will of God. Not my will, but your will be done. And I'll tell you that as we learned in Galatians, this is a battle that you face every day because our flesh is still there. Our flesh is still there, right? And it's battling with the Spirit. And remember I said struggling is a normal part of our journey struggling is a normal part of our faith, and we need that. We need that. But you have to realize that it's going to be a struggle, right? But true disciples of Jesus Christ are focused on doing the will of God. They may fail trying to do that. They may misinterpret the will of God. And there there are times when it's just like, God, at this point in my life, I just want to do what I want. But their lives are not characterized by doing their own will. Their lives are characterized by what? Following the will of God. So, this was a long journey to get to the main point of my sermon, right? Because he was saying that there are two kinds of people, right? There are those, the narrow gate. Are you going through the narrow gate? Are you going through the wide gate? Are you a good tree? Are you a bad tree? Are you producing good fruit? Or are you producing bad fruit? Are you claiming to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or you are a disciple of Jesus Christ because you do the will of the Father. Okay? Now, this is where the practical part comes in. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wide, like the person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes down in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it was built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse in a mighty crash. It says, disciples of Jesus gain spiritual wisdom by applying God's word in their lives. Once again, Jesus talks about two types of people, two types of builders. They are all building the same house. So probably they are all, if you were to take a look at us today, we have two types of people in the church all trying to build their spiritual houses, right? The difference is what? The foundation that they're building it on, right? One's on bedrock, which is solid, right? The other is on sand. And that's something I think we in California can appreciate, right? Because if you look at our geography here, there is no bedrock, for the most part, under Southern California. It's, it's, it's very, it, it's kind of like sand. And so this is why they say when we get the big earthquake, it's going to be so devastating. Because let's say it starts from the San Andreas Fault, passes through the San Gabriel Mountains, out towards the ocean. What happens? Where do we live? We live in a basin, a basin, the L.A. basin. So these shock waves are going to go from the San Andreas into the basin. It'll hit the other side with what's Palos Verdes and all of that. And then it'll start coming back again. It'll start coming back. The shock waves are coming back through the basin. Boom, hit the San Gabriel Mountains, boom, you know, go back and forth. And this is why they feel the earthquake, if it's the San Andreas, will be so devastating. Because number one, these shockwaves are going to go back and forth in the L.A. Basin. And two, we don't live 
on bedrock. We live on sand. And so, I, I mean, the purpose wasn't trying to scare you about the earthquake, because God is still in control, but to give you an illustration that I think we could all understand, right? And so picture the San Andreas earthquake. And so those who listen to the word and don't apply it, well, San Andreas earthquake, that's what we're talking about here. You know, however, the person who hears the word of God and applies it. This is why this is so important. God's word, yes, it you know, was given to see God's plan from beginning to end. It was given uh, to us to see a historical purpose of what he was doing um, throughout time. But it also is, you know, what he expects of us, who he is, how he cares about us, right? And it's a book that speaks to us, that says, this is how I want you to live. Because as we learned in Galatians, right, it's not about God is not trying to make your life miserable. I guarantee you, if you follow God's word, I don't care what age, you know, young people sitting right here, you know, uh, young people sitting over here, you know, seniors spread out over middle age, it doesn't matter. The best way to live your life, and I could tell you this from experience, is to hear the word of God and apply the word of God. Because my biggest mistakes in life was when I knew the word of God and I didn't obey it. Those were the biggest mistakes in my life. Did God use them to teach me? Of course he did. You know, I wished I could have listened to him in the first time. But see, this is why this is so important, right? This is why this is so important. And this is why this series is so important. Because your spiritual growth is the most important aspect of your life. You want to live your best life? You take it from somebody who tried all these other ways. I'm just like Solomon, right? I tried all of these different things, and at my old age, I could tell you, all of those doors lead nowhere. There's only one thing that made a difference. There's only one thing that made my life great, and that was when I read God's word and I applied it and I was obedient to God's word. You could just take that from somebody like me who finally I learned that lesson. And so that's why it's so important. And for parents, gosh, I, you know, I'm going to say this too. You're going, Pastor, would you just be quiet? I get it. You know, I'm going to keep saying this, right? The most important aspect for your children is not their career. It's not where they're going to live. It's not them having the ability to live a comfortable life. The most important aspect of your children as you raise them is their spiritual growth. And I'm going to keep saying that. You're going to get sick of me, but they said that once you get sick of hearing this, then you finally get it, right? Um, And yeah, I get some of you are kind of scared because you're saying, how do you do it? How do you do it, right? And so we're going to talk about that as time goes on, but I'll give you one clue. My parents were first-generation Christians. They had no clue how to raise Christian kids because my mom was raised Buddhist, and my dad, uh, he was kind of raised Christian, but he would rather do other things. They had no idea, right? 
but they just did the best they could. And some of those things were kind of crazy, but then you can look at the results for yourself, right? And so we're going to talk about, so parents, please don't be afraid. And when you say, oh, I don't know how to do that. Well, neither did my parents. The important thing is that you try. So in closing, in order to grow spiritually, we must enter through the narrow gate. Every single day, you're going to be challenged. Wide gate, narrow gate, wide gate, narrow gate. I don't care if you're a student. You know, I don't care if you're um, a young adult, if you're just starting your career, if you're, you know, has a family, if you're a senior. doesn't matter. Every day, you're going to be challenged. Narrow gate, wide gate, narrow gate, wide gate. Making doing God's will a priority in our lives. It's not just going to happen. Remember last week, I said there's a line there, right? There's a line where it's my responsibility and God's responsibility. What's my, what's our, okay, I'm going to test you. What's my responsibility on this side of the line? It's awfully quiet. See, this is why I have to repeat things over and over and over again until you're sick of it. Okay, it's my responsibility is to what? Walk in the Spirit. Remember that? Walk in the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. That's my responsibility. And then what's God's responsibility? Transform me. That's God's responsibility, to transform me. God's responsibility is to bring out the fruit of the Spirit in my life. That's my, God's responsibility, Right? That's the same thing, is we have to prioritize doing God's will in our lives. That's on this side of the line. That's on this side of the line. Make a conscious decision to read and apply God's word to our lives. This is key. How many times we just go through the scripture and, okay, it did that. But every time you read scripture, you should be asking yourself, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? How could I apply this? And then do it. So then what's our weekly challenge? I want us to read Matthew 7, 13 through 27 daily. Once again, it's not that long. It's not that long of a passage. And, I say, and assess how you are doing. Are you entering through the narrow gate or the wide gate? Or are you making God's will a priority in your life? Or it's, you know, as Bruce Almighty says, let my will be done, Right? Or are you looking at God's will? Okay. Um, that's my best impression of Jim Carrey. Um, the type of fruit, good or bad, you know, are you producing, you know, right now? And finally, identify two areas of your life where a bit more biblical application would make a notable, noticeable difference in your life. Just two. I'm not asking you to memorize the scripture. Just two. Then... Apply it. Apply it, because this is so important. Worship team, please come forward. And let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for your word and that we don't have to try to figure out life on our own. And I get it, Father. Sometimes trying to do your will Trying to go through the narrow gate is so hard. It's so hard. Especially when we're constantly reminded by this world what kind of life we need to have. What kind of things that we have to have in order to be successful. 
What do we have to look like? What do we have to achieve in order to live a meaningful life? And Father, that's why only few find the narrow gate. Because the wide gate, the gate of doing whatever we want, the wide gate of following the values and lifestyle of this world, it's like the gravitational pull of a black hole where it's just so strong and we feel like it's sucking us in. But Father, you are greater than that. The power of your Holy Spirit allows us to make decisions that go against the world that would help us grow in our faith. And Father, I want to pray for the parents right now. God, I know it's so hard for them, and, you know, I had to deal with, too, there's so much we want for our children. And Father, we are, we admit we've been influenced by the world. Well, we think that in order for our kids to have a good life, they have to have this. Father, I pray for the courage that you would give them to place training up their children to grow in their faith a priority. And Father, they may not know how to do that. But Father, they have your Holy Spirit. They have parents who've walked before them that could guide them. And so, Lord, I pray for them. That, Lord, that that would make make that a part. And I pray for all of us, myself including this week, Lord, that I would read your word and apply it to to my life. Father, that I would say, not my will, but your will be done, especially in situations that are difficult. Oh, Father, give us the courage to walk through that narrow gate. Because that narrow gate leads to life. And the wide gate ultimately leads to destruction. So, Father, I ask that you would open our hearts to this series, upcoming series. Father, that it would impact us. That it wouldn't be something that we just hear and just say, okay, I heard it. But, Father, that we would actively try to apply the lessons we learn. But thank you, God, that we don't have to do it on our own. You know, it is that your Holy Spirit gives us the power to do it. And we thank you for that. So this week, brothers and sisters, may we yield to the Holy Spirit and allow him to transform our lives. Father, in your son's name we pray. Amen.